episode six, competitors, obsess or don't care. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. Sharing the adventure of leading and growing a bootstrapped SaaS company. Hear the experiences, challenges, wins and losses shared in each episode. From Aaron Waikie of Gather Up and Darren Shaw of Whitespark. Let's go. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Darren. And today we are going to dive into the topic of competitors. But before we get into the uh, main course of this episode, uh, Darren, I'm, I'm excited to hear about all the, you know, all the prep you had to go into the uh, Brighton Conference and your travels over to England. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear how both the, the, the conference went for you and uh, did you get a chance to do some, some touristy and, and fun things? Yeah. How'd all that go? Totally. Yeah. So the, it was a pretty great trip. Uh, it was grueling trying to get ready for it, actually, because I prior to giving my presentation, um, the day before I was giving a full day of local search training, which I had never done before, like just everything up to you can imagine with local search. So covering the full gamut. And uh, did they get like a certificate that says like Darren certified when they were done? No, no, I should, <laughs> I should have that though. I should have like a nice stamp to totally. give everybody. Yeah. But it was seven hours of like training. So my slide deck ended up being 530 slides of just like trying to get everything I could think of. It's basically Darren's local search brain in one massive presentation. It was crazy. And so also my flights got messed up. So I was supposed to fly in the morning on Tuesday and then I basically fly all day and arrive on Wednesday uh, at 10 a.m. Right. But then they bumped my flight from Edmonton to Toronto to leave at midnight. So I left at midnight, Edmonton time, arrived in Toronto at 6 a.m. And then I ended up getting a hotel. So I stayed in Toronto in the hotel so I could get some sleep from 6 a.m. until about 1 p.m. And then I was just working in the airport waiting for my flight to leave at around 10 p.m. While I'm working at this local pub, this pub in the airport, I dumped a beer on my laptop. No. I totally fried my laptop. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting on my flight in two hours and I still have so many slides to make. So I raced to like the the little uh, electronic store. I buy a new laptop. I'm trying to get everything loaded onto the laptop before my flight takes off. They're like calling my name and I'm like watching the download of PowerPoint. (laughs) (laughs) PowerPoint has to get loaded on my laptop. They're like, last call for Darren Shaw to board flight to London. And it's like, I got like 1% left and I'm like holding the laptop ready to like close the lid and run into the, to the gate. It was insane. So I finally got on my plane, worked a little bit on the plane, slept a little bit on the plane. It all worked out in the end, but man, it was stressful. Oh my gosh. That, that sounds like one of my worst nightmares. Like, holy cow. Yeah, it was really bad. But yeah, the presentation was great. I was I thought it was fun. And uh, it's a cool case study I'm doing. I'm just taking a, a business that had zero local search presence and then slowly stepping through uh, each sort of thing that you would do in local search and measuring the impact of that. Like, okay, they got five new reviews. What impact did that have on local search? They got, we did all their citation building. Then we did a whole bunch of citation indexing. So at each step, I was like, what impact did that have on rankings? And so it was it was cool to do the study, and I'm going to continue that study 
as I go to MozCon in uh, July. Yeah, I'm super excited to hear about that. That sounds like such a great piece of research and everything you put into it. I'm I'm also, if you and I, uh, when we hang out next, if we're going to have beers, I'm keeping my computer away from you. Seriously, keep it in your lap, in your backpack. Do not get that anywhere near the table. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I did a little touristy stuff, too. I went to, uh, in Brighton, they have this I-360 thing, which goes, it's just like, this, it looks like a, like a UFO that goes up on a big stick. goes like way up high, so you can see, you know, all the way out to the ocean, all of Brighton. It was oh, wow. kind of touristy and interesting. It was all right. And then I went to visit a friend. I went up to London, uh, ate some great meals. Yeah, it, it's Brighton's a beautiful spot. And London, of course, is awesome. So I did a couple days there. I af- After that grueling work, I just wished I had gone home instead of taking a couple days in London, actually. I felt like really? I'd, rather, I'd rather be with my family than than trudging around London by myself. Yeah, I can see that. But I almost always get like this. I don't know if it's like a high or just relief after when you have something that big and and then it's off your plate. It is such a like, there, there's a lot of like uh, decompressing that, that you have to do, right? And that was that was something for a long time that I think even my wife kind of struggled with when I would come home from certain conferences or events where you had big talks and things like that, where I was like, I just need to check out for a few days and I feel really great about it. But like, I have no, I don't, I don't have any purpose to accomplish big things right now, professionally or personally. So I'm just going to like be happy, have a beer and walk around without a care in the world for a couple of days. Cause I just had way too many. I totally get that. I feel the exact same. I love it when I go to a conference, like something like MozCon, and I speak on the first day because then I got the next two days to just like, yay, I'm having the best time hanging out with all my (laughs) industry friends and having some drinks and learning some new topics. And I'm just like, I'm not checking my email for two days. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I'm I'm glad it went well, even though you threw the biggest curveball at yourself ever, but uh, way way to overcome. Yeah. Sucked. (laughs) Well, well, on company-wide wise, uh, really excited. We just hired a new uh, VP of customer success. Um, Yeah, it's uh, someone uh, that I've known for a long time, has a great background, you know, and and really we, we already have a great customer success team. We have like three direct reps and we have had one that served as a lead. But, you know, I was, I was directly managing or overseeing our lead customer success rep and, in the yep. hundred ways I'm at, like I'm not giving him enough sport support. I'm not giving enough yep. guidance to the team. And it just sure. really became aware to me that even though this wasn't like our number one need, that I knew the right person for this job and that would be a great fit culturally for us and and within our mission and a bunch of other things. And it would really help this team have, you know, more experience to draw from and, and more time with somebody to to help both what we do and them individually grow. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. One, one of the things, you know, we already have for like, especially our multi-location clients, you know, five locations to into the thousands. We have a really great onboarding process that we've developed and put together and communicate and, and everything else. But we almost like launch is like the finish line. And 
once they're up and running, then we kind of turn reactive again. And then we're like, yep. you know, okay, if you need something, let us know where we should be. In on them. Yeah. yeah, we should be hands on. Like, what's their week one look like? What's month one? What's the first 90 days? Like, how are we ensuring they're getting off to the right start to really be successful? So that's kind of one of our yeah. main high level goals to get going. And I'm excited with how this hire is going to plug in and, and help make that happen for us. How big is your customer support team? Yeah. So, I mean, total of four now with this hire. So we have three uh, direct reps that, you know, those guys are handling everything from uh, email tickets, phone calls. We do uh, live chat during, you know, normal business hours, onboarding, uh, all of those different things. So we, you know, we have four in total dedicated to that now. Right. And so, you know, this, this made me think about one thing you could do is measuring engagement. And then if you see a client kind of fall off of engagement, they're not logging in, they're not sending out requests, then you could algorithmically send an alert to your customer service team and say, hey, you should check in with this customer. Yep. No, that's totally, I mean, maybe another podcast we talk about that, but we're definitely looking at a combination. We're just starting to do a deeper uh, deeper install with a product called Heap Analytics. Um, So we're going to do a lot more event tracking in the app and, and things things like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, d- definitely a combination of we want to be proactive and in digging into accounts and looking for things. We want to develop some systems that are kind of giving us, you know, those warning signs or being able to really high level kind of spot check uh, where they're at. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I say that as a suggestion for you, but it's like, damn, we should do that too. Yeah, <laughs> no, totally. And it's a great thing to to talk about. And as we get further down, I, you know, I'd love to talk about where where we're getting with it, but it really is like, you know, how, how do you have this, uh, you know, prescriptive path that you know that they need to achieve? Yep. And we know certain things based on how they're, how often they're logging in, how often they're engaging with the feature. And, you know, then some of the metrics that are coming out, you know, that those are our key performance indicators that we really need to ratchet down. Yeah, for on. sure. Uh, what else going on? Anything new? Uh, excited that we landed our first uh, customer from, if you remember back a couple months ago, we did that IFA yep. conference. Yeah, we talked all about ROI on that. So you got a good customer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So got got a good customer that basically like zeroed out our investment, right? We'll make money back on this customer in under a year from our investment on that. We signed them to a two-year deal. Um, and then I still have a number of other conversations in addition to the exposure we got yep. and everything else. So I feel really, really awesome. good about that. That's, yeah, that's all I wanted out of our, you know, again, our first time. You have to understand these things that you're not going to go in and shock and awe people first time in a giant conference like that. So it's like, can you just get a little traction, a lot of visibility, a lot of conversations, we're already signed up for the, you know, the next one next year. So excited about that. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a good point. Like you definitely zeroed out. So you know, you've got that exact measurable impact from the conference, but you did better than zeroing out because there was all that exposure of people that are going to you because they saw you at the conference and you have no idea that you have a new customer. You didn't know that it was because of IFA. Yep. Like, so you're definitely getting more than just this one big client for sure. Yep. Absolutely. But it's it's great to be able to go to the team just because some of my partners weren't always on board with, you know, doing these types of events and conferences and be able to say like, hey, yeah, dollar to dollar, we got we got our money back. And now here's all these other intangibles that continue to pay off. Right. And it's it's like anything in marketing. You have to look at it as an investment and some investments 
there's short-term payoffs and some are more mid and, and long-term and you need to keep going, you know, back on it to, to get where you need to go. Yeah. And then you also got the lifetime value of that customer, oh, yeah. right? So it's more than just like whatever yeah. the contract is that you signed, it's into the future. And then, you know, a new customer and all the referrals that could potentially come from that customer. Yep. Yep. You just hope it's a, you know, you planted a seed with it and then it starts to grow and branch out and everything else and you reap all those rewards. Totally great. And I saw you guys are sponsoring MozCon. Yeah. I got to see all the tweets. Everyone's excited about giving away a ticket. Yeah, yeah. Giving away a, a ticket, which is awesome. You know, because a MozCon ticket is expensive, right? Like fa- totally. face yeah, value. It's a great comment. Yeah. Um, of like 1700 bucks, and, you know, great speakers like yourself and Will Reynolds and Cindy Crum and, and things like that, where it really is awesome. Yep. And, and interesting enough, I saw kind of one of those side benefits, right? I was just uh, on site a couple of days ago with a new customer that we're, we're onboarding and kicking off with that has hundreds of locations. And our main contact there was like, you know, she's like, hey, can I ask you a you know question? I'm like, yeah, totally. She's like, well, I was just looking into because I, I need to get out to some conferences and whatever. And, you know, lo and behold, I came across, you know, MozCon. It looks great. And then I saw you guys are sponsoring. So I thought you'd be able to give me really good insight on right. is this a good conference and should I go to it? And to me, it was like one of those, like it reinforced in other reasons why to sponsor conferences and things like that. Cause even your customers see like, oh, these guys are active in the space and they're part of these things yeah. and, and whatever else. So that was kind of a cool full circle moment. There is no there. conference I've ever been to. I've never seen a better opportunity for vendors than the MozCon setup because at MozCon, they only take on like eight to 10 exhibitors, really. Yep. And the, they have these nice little, they call them partner hubs. And they're right as you walk into the conference. It's not like in a separate room, like an exhibit hall that you have to go to. They're right there. So your visibility is amazing. And when people come out from the conference sessions to go and get a coffee or the snack or they go out for lunch, they have to walk right past you. And so all these people are mingling about and the snacks are right next to like where all the vendors are. It's amazing. It's the best like visibility I've ever seen at a conference. It's it's a good one. I hope we can capitalize on that. Maybe we can even book like... Darren Shaw's in our booth for an hour and you can get photos and autographs. <laughs> photos with Darren Shaw. And, you know, it's not just me. There's some great local people coming. So Joy's going to be there too. Yep. And uh, Greg Gifford got a community spot. Oh, maybe I'm supposed to keep that on the down. Well, it's out there now. <laughs> it's definitely out there now. Yep. I don't know. Well, we'll have a handful of our team. Uh, Mike Blumenthal will be there as as well. So we'll, we'll have a good crew. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be yep. fun. Can't I wait. think maybe we do a thing where like for an hour you will dump beers on people's laptops <laughs> I, you would get so many people lined up for that <laughs> uh, see i love these ideas uh and uh, other than that like man i've just in a, i know you know what this is like too but you know i've been on a plane every week the last five weeks monday i leave for a, a local u in austin i go directly from there to north carolina to one of our new clients wow. and their internal conference for franchisees so it's just been really hard to get time at my desk and to keep the other things moving forward when you don't have that that focused time. Yeah. And that's where like this new hire comes in, right? Someone that can just sort of, okay, you manage the customer support initiatives that we yeah. want to run with, like all the stuff that I don't have time to yeah, stay on top totally. of. So anyway, that's yeah. the, a normal struggle. You know what that's like, but it, man, it's just, it's it's crazy sometimes when it is, you know, I'm, a, I'm going on week five of a trip of multiple days every single yep. week. And it's like, oh, I, I need a week, just no calls, no emails, get caught up, 
get directions set on some things. I do not envy that. I know that feeling of just feeling like you're getting further and further behind with all the traveling and speaking and all that kind of stuff. It takes a lot of time. And I am really looking forward to this next stretch I have where I don't have anything until Moz. Oh, I have a a little one, uh, a local U in June and then MozCon. So, but yeah, I'm basically free and clear for a while and I love it. And I'm not going to book anything. Just, um, I got so many initiatives that we have on the go here. I'm really excited about, and I'm so happy to be yeah, home. For no, that feels so good. Little, one other news item for me actually is uh, we launched a new service, so I'm excited about that. It's called the Local Search Service, and we basically it's you can kind of think of it like a Google My Business management service. Yep. So we've really tried to build a great productized service that we can scale. And uh, I'm really excited about it and we're getting a lot of interest from it. And I think there's great potential. We have so many customers that come to us that are like, okay, I don't even know what a citation is. What am I supposed to do? Can you help me? And we're like, yes, we now we can say, yes, we, we can help you. Sign up for this. We will basically manage all of the local pieces of search for you. And, uh, you know, so we can now meet the needs of all those clients. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, you should be. That's really cool. And once again, as usually when we talk, that totally sounds like an episode I'd love to do a deep dive on because I have some ideas around some productized services that we could bolt on top of, of what we're doing, especially with some of the, the features we have coming out in the next like three to six months. So that that's really interesting. And yeah, let's kind of let's put that on our uh, our dock of, of notes on something, because I'd love to hear how that unfolds for you more and, and what what you understand as this rolls out and, and the success. For sure. Yeah, there'd be lots to talk about. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear more about your productized services. But now let's get into the meat of it. We're going to talk about competitors, right? Good old competitors <laughs> yeah it's like an opinion everybody has one right yeah totally <laughs> totally you have lots actually your space is pretty saturated and i suppose i have even more because we do everything so yeah yeah how do you deal with your competitors are you like do you have like alert set up are you do you have a team member that's it's their job to watch what the competitor is doing all the time. How, how do you deal with it? Yeah, I, I definitely fall into the camp where, you know, I, I pay attention and I think about them. I'm not as far, you know, I, I know people who obsess about it and things like that. I, I think that's really unhealthy because it derails the direction you're going. Yeah. But, you know, especially when you're young, when you're startup and, you know, all right, I, I've been with Gather Up for, you know, just a couple months shy of four years now. But in our, you know, in the earlier stages when I was there, especially when you haven't carved out where you are and you're not as like secure in where you are or confident, then you pay a lot of attention to it. Right. And I think that can be a really hard evolution and just figuring out, you know, what the right balance is for you, because it's it's smart to pay attention to them and understand what they're doing. But when you obsess, then then you start going backwards and the other way with it. And that that becomes really, really dangerous. How do you deal with feature parity? So someone, one of your customers will be like, hey, we used to be with this, this, we're currently with this competitor. We're thinking about switching to you. Do you also do this thing that my competitor does? Like, yeah. is that something that you're like, oh, we should really get that on a roadmap? Or you're like, no, we have our roadmap. We're staying the course. We don't care if if this other competitor has this feature that this one customer wants? It depends so much. I think if you go back to my my first statement on like knowing who you are and where you're going, yeah. a lot of times we're really easily able to say like, you know, do, does that feature even fit in with our vision and, and our direction? 
or doesn't it? And there, there are certain features though that you consider like these are, these are standard things that are needed in what we're doing. And that becomes the really tricky part in kind of parsing that out sometimes. Uh, yeah. We we have certain competitors that I call they're the everything in the kitchen sink competitor where yeah. no matter who builds what in the space you know they have enough of an engineering team where they will they will basically copycat everyone's feature and they really don't right. ever innovate anything or bring out something that's really strategic they're just going to say hey we have 250 features we're never going to lose a deal on a feature and right. as a as a bootstrap company we we can't uh, uh, afford to do that we mm-hmm. have to align very tightly with our strategy and our and our vision with it so that's the big thing that you know we always use is like does this align with what those are and then we have to give the consideration like is this an expected across the board like so an easy example in our space would be like if we didn't have review monitoring right people would be like that's great sure. that you helped me get more reviews and all these other things but you're not letting me know when new reviews happen when i get them and and right. giving me a notification about it that that would be an issue no matter how our focus of like well we want to help you connect with your customer and that's not that's a reactive thing and we only want to do proactive things uh, so def- definitely pieces yeah. like that. I mean, how how do you look at it just as you talked about, right? You you have this uh, feature set that's so broad that you then hit all kinds of people that just focus on one of your features, uh, but that's all they do is that one. What does that look like for you in your competitive landscape? Yeah, so for us... I, I feel frustrated about competitors often because it's like I have this broad vision about what we want to do, but we're, we're kind of small, actually. Our company's not huge. And then competitors seem to always be a step ahead of us. We're like, damn it, we were going to launch that. And then like, they put it out like a month before us, right? Things like that often come up uh, that are frustrating. So I, there is obviously in my space one major competitor, which is Bright Local. And uh, it was funny because at Brighton SEO... Uh, that training I did, there were 10, 10 attendees for my full training session, and five of them were employees of Bright Local because apparently uh, they're based out of Brighton. And so uh, I basically was training uh, Miles' staff on how to do local search, which was good times. And uh, that's so great. Like, did part of you just kind of feel like, Tell, asking them to walk out of the room <laughs> like this is not for you. <laughs> well, no, because it wasn't really like we weren't really talking about our software and our services. We were just talking about local search in yep. general. So it was totally fine. And and I, I did my best to try and train them up as well as I could. Um, and then the next day, I actually went for lunch with my top competitor, uh, Miles Anderson from Bright, Bright Local. And yeah, we had a great, great lunch. We chatted about things. I feel like we were both pretty open and it was interesting to hear about their business and, and what they're working on and, and told them a little bit about we're, what we're up to. And yeah, it's funny because you have some competitors that totally seem like assholes and you're like, ah, I would never go for lunch with that guy. But then I have, you know, yep. Bright Local and White Spark were friendly competitors. I feel the same way about Moz, right? Moz has their Moz local product, but I love them all over there. They're, it's a it's a great group. And and so I don't really, I don't worry about the competitors and I don't, I don't uh, hate my competitors, but sometimes I'm frustrated about uh, their ability to, to release faster than us. But other times I just don't obsess about it either because we, you know, like you said, we have our roadmap, we have our style, people choose us because of who we are and what we do and how we do things because they, they just 
it feels like more of a fit for them than this other product, right? And so um, we just have to be clear on who we are and what we're doing. And I think that there's room in, in the industry for for lots of competitors. If you think about like how many email marketing systems are there? Like you got MailChimp, you got, uh, I'm drawing a blank. What are some of the other ones? Campaign Monitor. Campaign yeah. Monitor, AWeber, probably Constant Contact. 30 of them. <laughs> and they are all making money, right? So it's like, you know, to some degree, spaces will eventually merge to a, like a top winner. But, and I would love for that to be WhiteSpark in, in my space. And you would love for that to be gather up in your space. But I don't worry too much about uh, the competition. Like, you know, I'm not worried about my business. My business continues to grow. Your business continues to grow, right? And so. And that's, uh, that, you have to look at it that way, right? If you're in, in a space, you can see there's, there's enough business Yep. For all kinds of people, right? And there's just so many different, right? It, it becomes interesting to me to, based on who we're selling into, we might have a different set yeah. of two or three competitors. And that always becomes, you know, really interesting as you get into those. And I can kind of like for the, the three main segments we work in, there's kind of, you know, two competitors in each of those segments yep. that that's who we bump into sure. in a comparison process more more, more often speaking, than, than not yeah. with it. I was just going to say, speaking of comparison, like how, how do you... How do you handle all those questions where people are like, well, you know, what makes you better than competitor X? Yeah, I think going back to the other things I hit upon that the the thing that we always look at is like strategically, right? We really rely on like, hey, you know, you have some of the, you know, people who have cared a long time about local search, people who care about uh, business and reputation and communication. Like we understand all those angles and we're not giving you, you know, we're not the Walmart of SaaS products where every feature is on the shelf and you yeah. grab what you want. Like we are this honed experience that if you come in, we have the right things that you need and we also can help you with the right ways to use them. And I think that's right. really important coming from that angle. We point that out all the time as a difference. And we also use the fact that like, hey, we are we are hardcore focused on helping connect you to your customers. Um, so at the end of the day, we're not going to be creating a bunch of other things around local listings or some of these other things. And, yep. and I get customers want, you know, when they find like, all right, you know, I can get one bill and one provider and there's some overlap. I get all of those are wins. Uh, but we really look at it as like, we want to be the best option with what we're trying to do more so than we have more things to sell you and you know all across the board we can make it so you don't have to need three people you just need one but we have we have our own ways yeah. that we make that happen yeah that's interesting our approach is a little bit different we are we are a kitchen sink for sure and we continue to expand and add new things it's like oh customers need this we're gonna build it so i don't know it's i feel like we're kind of stuck there now because we already offer so many different products and services around the whole you know range of local search that we can never get out of that but i do think your approach is really smart from a competitor perspective and i think there's a service behind it too it's like hey we are subject matter experts on you know, customer experience, customer um, feedback, reviews, like you come to us and we're not just like a software you're going to sign up for. We're, we're going to actually help you get the best results that you can from that review process and feedback process. And so I think it's smart to the way you have honed in on that. Well, hopefully, because 
but but it's also you have to make the most of what you have to offer too, right? Like I I don't have a hundred engineers building every last feature, yeah. so I can't I I can't be in that arms race. I'm I'm not going to win that. So we have to build really great, well thought out, strategical features that align with things we understand, right? Uh, SEO and yeah. local SEO and communications between business and and customer, and and really dial those in so that we can show them like, hey. Here's a really great repeatable process that your business can prosper with rather than, hey, spread yourself super thin trying to do all these things. And more and more, I'm hearing customers come back to that just because I think there is such an explosion, you know, in the ebbs and flows of software and, and SaaS and that explosion where, you know, there is that feeling of adding, you know, adding more features, adding more features, adding more features. And I've actually had some clients say, yep. what I like about you is you are laser focused on this. And that other stuff is just kind of fluff to me or thrown in or, or whatever else. And we don't need it. And we're likely not going to use it. We need to put our focus here. Yeah. And you also end up with feature bloat, right? Where like someone logs in to the system and they're like, wow, this is insane. I don't know how to do anything. I, like, do you have a two-day training course for me to figure out how your software works? And so staying focused and not building every damn feature uh, can really help to make your customer experience of using the software better yep. too. Yeah, you always want to find it. And this this is something we are constantly battling because sometimes I think we get in that because we offer so many like customizations and configurations and whatever else where to me, yep. it's always figuring out this top-down approach of how can I do the easiest things upfront and right away? And then I have easy paths to go into second, third, fourth level advanced type settings and I can dig deeper if I want to, but I don't have all that depth thrown in my face right away. And and that's something I'm yeah. really trying to philosophically work into like our user experience is like, let's not expose everything right up front. I get that makes sense when we're creating it because we understand everything. But when the first time user comes in, that's the last thing you want them to be is like, where do I even start? Right. You don't want that. Yeah, totally. You got to drop down with thirty different options. Yeah, and it's too much. I'm I'm interested, Darren, in yours. How often do you see customers switching from one provider or another, and and how hard is that switch for someone to pick up and and leave Bright Local and come to to White Spark or or something like that? Yeah. Um. Interestingly, it depends on what they want. Like, so Bright Local has a couple of things that we don't have, and so, but there are a lot of people that have a Bright Local account and they're paying for all this extra stuff that they don't actually use. And so we did recently make it pretty easy to switch to us. Um, we've added some some features that uh, that make it easy to switch. And we've, we have we will support people that want to switch too. So if they want to switch, we're, we're going to we're going to do all the work to try and like make it as easy as possible for them. And uh, that's been pretty successful for us. And we find that our customers that do switch are like, wow, this is a, a whole new world. We really love it. And that gives us some confidence in what we're doing. But we also see people go the other way too. Like when people cancel, uh, one of the options they can choose is moving to a competitor. And then, of course, we ask for more, more details. Yeah, we do see people switch over to Bright Local and they list their reasons and we think about those reasons and we, we uh, figure out whether or not uh, we need to make any changes based off of what the feedback we're getting. And then there's so many people that are switching one way or the other you never hear from, right? You don't know if they're switching. Would you ever consider, do you market that switching process, right? I think about, I've seen this for a long time with banks, right? Mm -hmm. Like they will actively put out content on their website saying like, hey, here's how you switch to our bank, right? And we make it easy and here's what's involved. Like, do, do you do any of that? Or would you consider doing that so people know like, hey, 
it's not super painful and we actually will guide you through it and make it easy? Yeah, we, uh, we've recently built these features to make it easy to switch and we are going to definitely market them. We're just putting it on the landing page and saying, hey, listen, if you're currently with this competitor, it's so dead simple for you to switch. We move everything over for you. You know, contact us today. So we definitely want to market it. We're not going to like do a blog post and tweet about it yep. and like be like, "Hey, anyone that's with Bright Local, definitely come to us." Yep. You know, we're not going to we're not going to do that. It just feels kind of douchey. Yeah. But we will uh, let we want to let people know that it's easy to switch, yeah. and we're putting it into our into our you know welcome email. So if someone signs up for that, we're like, "Oh, hey, are are you with Bright Local? If you are, you know, just just a line that says, "Hey, it's easy to switch." Nice, very very smart. And it's not just Bright Local. We we we've made it easy to switch from other providers too. Yeah. So in your space, and I, and I can't remember if Bright Local has taken any funding at any point or not. But do do you have? They have not. Okay. So are most of your competitors in your space? bootstrapped or do you have are, are there certain ones that are you know big vc funded and on a kind of a different trajectory it depends on what you're looking at like for someone that is like pretty close to almost exactly what we do it's bright local but then we have competitors in different areas like you know business listing management you got moz local yep. and then you have yex so yex of course massive funding yep. moz local massive funding and so they are different. And then we have some that are a little bit more agency, but also a little focused on business listings. And that would be like Advice Local is one that comes up uh, here and there. Yep. Um, and I think they, are, they might be funded too. It's an interesting thing like that bootstrapped versus funding. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like, I don't know why, but we have like a market advantage and maybe it's just because of the speaking and stuff that I do, but I feel like people look to us as experts and, and that helps drive business for sure yeah. for us. Yeah. I mean, as you know, we're, we're in that same boat where we want to be, you know, thought leaders in the space, um, especially when it comes yeah. to search, right? We're the, we're the only one of our competitors that are at a MozCon or talking at search conferences where yeah. our competitors, especially, you know, like uh, BirdEye or Podium, that these guys have taken like, you know, $30 million rounds of funding. Those guys yep. are talking at SaaS conferences and VC conferences and, and things like that. And we, we definitely use that to our advantage on how well we understand the space and, you know, what, what Google is doing and, and what they're up to. And, and that we even have relationships there that, you know, are, are productive strategic ones. Um, but there's, yep. you know, there's such a gap in our space because we rarely have a competitor that's just, you know, hey, they got a couple million dollars in funding and it's allowed them to accelerate. It's, you know, we have these behemoths that have taken on tens of millions of dollars, or you have us that have, you know, not taken on any money. And so that, that discrepancy, that divide is so large and you see it in, right, size of engineering teams and size of sales yep. teams, right? It's like, I'm, sure. I'm the sales. only one, yeah, I'm the only one that does outbound sales. I'm, I'm hoping that changes in the coming months. It's been top of my priority list for a while. We still haven't found the, the right fit, but I want to grow an outbound sales team because our product is good enough for it now. And yeah. we're, we're doing very well just through inbound marketing and all the things we do there. But it, it's really time for us to scale up those efforts. And those guys already have sales teams of, you know, 50, 100 and every last. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally insane. So what kind of outbound sales do you do? Who are you talking to? Yeah. I focus all on multi-locations. So uh, I want to talk if you're, you know, 
for for me, I'm probably targeting anyone like 50 locations and up. So like yesterday, I saw one of my contacts as friends with the COO of a 200 location coffee shop. So I asked for an right. introduction. That's smart. Um, yeah, I'm looking at brands that have size, continue to grow. Um, and I can usually uh, pretty easily see from even their own website. Like, are they using something to streamline feedback for sure. and reviews? Are, are they displaying reviews on their site or location pages? So there's like this three to four item checklist where I can see like, okay, they're either doing one of the five things we offer or two of the five or none, or I see they're using two different services where I know we could help them consolidate. So I'm reaching out and try to start a conversation. I'm going to put some of our case studies in front of them or some thought leadership articles from our blog or, hey, are you going to be at this event that we're speaking at or we're sponsoring uh, and try to spark that uh, up that way. And I would love to have you know, one, two, three, four, five people duplicating my efforts there just because those relationships are so much to man. It's one thing to get the conversation started, but then it's the calls, the demos, the meetings, staying on top of it, keeping it moving, all of those things that you got to have a team for. Absolutely. I find like, you know, sales are great. I can do sales, but it's all the work that like it comes after that, right? Great. I've, I've started a conversation. I have a client that's interested. And then it's like managing that relationship is really time consuming. You you'll definitely need to build a team or it'll end up taking up all your time. Yep. Absolutely. I'm with you. Uh, a- anything in closing, Darren, I think we've uh, ran, ran our course, but do you have any like final takeaways or a statement that you'd offer advice to anyone when, you know, how they're thinking about or watching their competitors, researching them? What would you put out there to our listeners? Yeah, I think it is important to keep an eye on them. You want to have, I do have alerts set up, so I watch what they do and I, and I keep tabs on it and I, I keep looking at what they're doing. But also having that mentality like that you touched on, which is making sure that you uh, understand what you're about and what, what your mission is and not getting pulled off course for this feature or that feature because competitors are always going to be doing things slightly different from you but understanding what value you're bringing and and if that feature contributes to that value then it's something that you might want to include or if whatever marketing thing they're doing makes sense that it might be something you want to do but knowing who you are and what you're providing and what your value differentiator is against that competitor is really important to get nailed down so that uh, you're not always just chasing every little thing that the competitors are doing. Totally agree with you. Self-awareness of your your product and your company is so important for people to be you know, as soon as you can find that way to be secure with that, right? And you can't you can't be overconfident where you bury your head in the in the sand. You still need to to be aware, yep. but you need that self confidence so that you can build your own path. And the cautionary tale I tell people all the time is: if you build yourself to be so alike a competitor, now there isn't just as you hit upon there isn't this unique distinction on why someone would choose you or the other yeah, one. Totally, and it's like, oh, you're both the same. All right, well, which one's cheaper now? Which is the last? Exactly. comparison that you want, right? I, I never want to be win because I'm the cheap option. I want to win because I'm the best value that's there. So I'd tell people to really be thinking about that when, you know, you are paying attention to your competitors, you're not obsessing, but how do you carve out the value that you have in comparison? Yeah. And I would add one little thing. It's very valuable to hear as customers are coming in when they do switch over to touch base with them and find out, oh, well, you know, what was happening over with your competitor that, that you had problems with? And then being able to speak to some of those things and trying to amplify your benefits against those uh, perceived problems over there. That's one thing that we try to do yes. over here. 
Yep. Now we have that going on in our reseller space right now. And we have a, a number of resellers coming to us from our biggest competitor there that they're like, your feature set is better. Your interface is better. Your customer service yep. is way better. And those are all things that we need to, you know, just be a little bit more touting and, and put out there so that people understand that there is that difference. Um, and that makes up for, we are a little bit more expensive than they are. But as everyone that switches said, like your 10 X, the value because of those things, we need to do a better job of bringing that. Yeah. And laying that out for them when you're, when you're onboarding new, new clients or when you're prospecting in the sales process, that's where that stuff should come out, right? Where you can speak to those things. So yeah, this is that, that's where I really think the greatest value of keeping your eyes on your competitors is in that, in the sales process. Yep. Nope. You're completely correct. I agree. All right. Well, all right. Thanks, everybody. That uh, concludes another episode. Hopefully, uh, you know, we've had about three, four weeks between our last one just because of, as we touch upon, travels and conferences and everything else. Hopefully, uh, Darren and I in the next couple of weeks will be syncing again to get um, you out another episode of the SaaS Venture. Please feel free to reach out to us uh, on Twitter. We've had some you know, questions in the past. We'd love to answer listener questions or topic ideas. Uh, and if you have the time, leaving us a review in iTunes is uh, super helpful, helps with the visibility of our podcast as we continue to reach more 100 people and have more listeners interact with us. Uh, love doing that. All right. Yeah. What Aaron said. <laughs> have a good one until we talk again, Darren. Yeah, we'll schedule another one and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Aaron. All right. You bet. Keep your beer away from your laptop and we'll talk soon. <laughs> I will. Okay. Bye. All right. See you, everybody.